All right. Well, welcome to Jerusalem Crime Story, Episode 2, The Trial. So today we're talking about the trial of Jesus. And just like we did last week, we're going we're to watch part of a video. It's about a 10-minute video clip from an excellent movie called Son of God. It's actually one of my favorite Jesus movies now, ever since it came out. It's from the same folks who did the Bible miniseries, um, Mark Burnett, Roma Downey Jr., if you saw that one. But it's an excellent, excellent adaptation of the gospel stories. And so we're going to watch about a 10-minute clip here focusing on the trial of Jesus. So, um, so to, to tell you a little bit about some of the characters here is we're going to start with Caiaphas. He was the high priest. And one of the other high priests is going to come and be talking to him, sort of questioning what they're doing. That's how the video is going to start. And then, then we're going to see a, a trial with Caiaphas and then a group of high priests called the Sanhedrin. Okay? And then they're going to pass him off to the Roman ruler, the governor. He was actually called a prefect. Um, but he was the governor, uh, the Roman governor of the region called Pontius Pilate. Okay? So these are going to be the two main characters for to in today's, in the video clip and in the sermon today. So let's go ahead and watch this. Oh, and I, I will say, if you were here last week and you watched the video, you, let's just acknowledge, it was really hard to see that video. It was totally dark. It was all at night. It was horrible. We've made some changes to hopefully try to make this a little bit more visible for all of us and a little bit more enjoyable. And that was the death sentence. So let's talk about that a little bit. The, the arrest was last week, okay? And so Jesus was arrested in the middle of the night in a garden. Uh, we've got our little crime scene map over here. This is a map of Jerusalem uh, as it existed in Jesus' time. Jesus was actually arrested outside the city, and then he was taken into the city for the first trial, still in the middle of the night. So that is, that is, this is episode two of Jerusalem Crime Story, and last week, I started with one fundamental question. Was Jesus innocent or guilty? And I asked you guys, and the overwhelming majority of people said Jesus was innocent. How sure are you of that? Because I think by the end of today, you might find that's a lot more complex of a question than it seems. So... Um, have you guys been following the, the stuff going on at Trump rallies lately? Like the violence and the attacks? Okay, the, this has been crazy. Never in the history of, of American politics have we seen anything like this. Okay, there have been screaming matches, punches thrown. Uh, the Chicago rally was just canceled because of riot between protesters and rally attenders. And it's amazing because Trump says he's not responsible. Okay? Clinton comes back and says he encourages it. And then Sanders is saying, don't blame my supporters. They're not doing it. So everybody is pointing the finger at everyone else. And I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine if Trump actually came on TV and said, yeah, I encourage it. I'm glad they fought back. What are you going to do about it? Imagine that. Imagine that that would just sort of rock everything. It would just erupt. I think people would be shocked. Okay, well, maybe people wouldn't be shocked. I, I don't think I would necessarily be shocked. But imagine that would change everything. If he just came forward and said, and said yes, I encourage it. Those are my people out there. 
Think of the power of yes, it's true. Because that's exactly what Jesus did in the middle of his trial. Imagine if O.J. Simpson, in the middle of his deposition, said, yeah, I killed Nicole Brown Simpson and her friend. Yeah, I did it. Not if I did it, but yeah, I did it. It would change everything. And that's exactly what happened during the Jesus' trial. Okay? So today we're going to read a lot of story. We're going to read a lot of passage. Okay? Um, and what's great is I'm actually going to let the story speak for itself because it's pretty straightforward as Mark tells it. Now what you will find is some of the stuff we saw in the video isn't included in Mark because the way that video worked is it, it took the stories from all of the Gospels and combined them. We're just looking at Mark. So Mark doesn't include everything that you saw, but that's okay. And it actually includes some stuff that you didn't see. So we're going to start, we're going to start with, with Mark 14, okay? But before we do that, I want to give a, a little bit of what happened so far, okay? So far, if we look at our wall of suspects, last week we saw disciple Judas tell high priest Caiaphas where Jesus was going to be. He basically turned him in. Caiaphas sent the soldiers to go arrest him and bring him to the high priest. And then what we're going to read today, and like you saw today, two trials. One in front of a Jewish judge and one in front of a Greek judge. And over on the map, you can kind of see what, where Jesus was arrested outside of Jerusalem. He crossed the Kidron Valley. That was right here. This is the temple. This is their most holy place. Kind of think their church. Okay? This is the temple. And he was taken from his arrest site to Caiaphas' house and then met with the Sanhedrin and then over to Herod's palace. And these are sort of estimates based on, on, on archaeology and geography and, and ancient manuscripts. And so, sure, there might be a little, a little bit different here and there, but this gives you a sense that this was a real city and Jesus was getting taken from place to place. Okay. So let's read a little, let's hear a little bit of the story. So this is out of Mark 14. Last week we started the, the first part of Mark now we're going to hit the last part of Mark. So this is in Mark 14, starting in verse 53. If you'd like to follow along, I'll be reading out of the NIV. Otherwise, it'll be up on the screen. So Mark 14, starting in verse 53. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests, the elders, and the teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed his hands at the fire. The chief priest and the whole Sanhedrin, remember that's the religious governing body. So the chief priest and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days I will build another not by human hands. Yet even then their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. 
Again, the high priest asked of him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? And there's the question. There's the question of all questions. It's the question that it's a defining moment in every trial and every, every good prosecutor will ask, did you do it? Excuse me, every good defender will ask, defense attorney will ask, did you do it? And the person will say, no, I did not. So there, there's Caiaphas, the high priest, saying, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? Okay, so there are a couple words we should talk about here before we move on. Messiah. This is, this is a person that was described all through the Old Testament. This is the savior of Israel. This is the one who would free them from Roman occupation. This is the one who would restore the greatness of King David, who is generally considered the greatest of the Israelite kings. They, they would, and they would restore Israel to greatness. In fact, our name River Life comes out of a, a prophecy speaking of Messiah, that, they, that, that Messiah is like a river that would bring life to everyone around it. So that was Messiah. And then this other one, son of the blessed one. This phrase blessed one was a Jewish phrase around the time referring to God. So he is essentially asking, are you the Messiah, the son of God? And that is the million dollar question. That's why the single question that comes up every week in the Christmas story is who is Jesus? And if you're in one of our life groups, you've been studying Mark, and you've run into that question over and over again during the weeks. Because all throughout Mark, the question comes up, who is Jesus? And here it is. The ultimate question, who are you? Are you the son of God? And Jesus answers, I am. And you can see, I, I, I thought the, the video did a great job. You can imagine the shock in that moment. He said, yes. What you're charging me of is true. Yes, I am the son of God. And, and now what's amazing about this is this is actually the first time in Mark that Jesus ever directly, explicitly says I am the son of God. He alludes to it. He refers to it only one other time. But here, there's, there's no way to get around this. There's no way to uninterpret this into something other than Jesus claiming he is the son of God. But there's more. This isn't just a statement of, yes, I am. Because this phrase is actually very powerful to the Jews and powerful to anyone who knew their Old Testament. This phrase, I am, is actually the name that God called himself when he drew Moses to him. And when he drew Moses to call him out of the desert to free his people from slavery, Moses asked, when I go to Pharaoh, who should I tell them is sending me? You know what God says? Tell them the I am is sending you. The I am, the one who exists in all for all time. I am. 
that literally is the name of God. So Jesus wasn't just saying yes. Jesus was evoking one of the holiest names for God that the Jews had. But he didn't stop there. He continued. I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Okay, now to us, that just sounds like some great religious talk right there, okay? That's like, it's got heavens and clouds and that's awesome, okay? But it just kind of seems like a whole bunch of sort of churchy, bible mumbo-jumbo. But to the Jews, they knew exactly what this meant, okay? So I'm going I'm to help you out here with some of these phrases. So first, the Son of Man. He just referred to himself as the Son of God. Why is he referring to himself as the Son of Man? Well, this is actually another term in the Old Testament for Messiah, um, son of man, actually, there are times where it refers to sons of men and women, like people like you and me, but there are also times, very distinctive times, where this phrase son of man refers to Messiah, okay? So, so he says, and you will see Messiah, son of man. Incidentally, this is actually a phrase that Jesus used for himself in Mark multiple times, so this isn't even a new phrase to anyone who had heard what Jesus was saying about himself, okay? So the Son of Man. Now let's talk about the sitting at the right hand, okay? Now, sitting at the right hand. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't go walking around with like a chair at my right and a chair at my left, okay? But kings did. And the right hand was the position of power in a kingdom. The king would sit on the throne, and his most important person would sit at his right hand. That person was the second most powerful person in the, in the kingdom. So when Jesus said, I will be sitting, and you will see the Son of Man, again referring to himself, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God. Okay? Sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One, which another phrase for God. It would have blown people's minds, because here's the thing. People don't sit at the right hand of God. Gabriel, the highest of the angels, the highest order rank of angels, he does not even sit at the right hand of God. And here is this peasant, prophet, bloodied old person claiming, I'm going to be sitting at the right hand of God. Okay? Right hand of the mighty one, another phrase for God. And then coming on the clouds. Isn't that a good Jesus picture? You, you picture, like, like just imagine an old school Sunday school picture. Can you picture cloud, big puffy cumulus nimbus clouds and Jesus going, oh, okay. That's not what he's talking about. This phrase, coming on the clouds. This is a very clear phrase that is used repeatedly throughout the Bible to refer to the coming judgment of God. When Jesus comes back on the clouds, and when they talked about Messiah coming back on the clouds, it was not for a vacation. It was to bring judgment. So now, you add all of that together. You know what Jesus is really saying? Yes, I am Messiah, Son of God. And today, you judge me, 
but you will see me judge you. Now you can imagine their response, their feeling, their reaction. This was the highest court of the land. These were the most influential, powerful people in the Jewish world. And Jesus is saying, you judge me? No, 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 no. I judge you. And, and Caiaphas, as you saw, he had no part of that. He freaked out because no human says that. No prophet, even the best of the prophets of the Old Testament would never say, 